Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to the December episode of The Delicious Podcast, the monthly magazine pod packed with features looking at the many faces of Christmas this month. I'm Julie Smith and I've been finding out about the Islamic concept of hospitality with Lebanese author Bethany Cady and how to keep Christmas simple this year with Scandi food writers Bronte Orell and Trina Harneman. We'll find out how to make your Yuletide very cool this year with a community banquet inspired by Cardiff's Green City events. And we'll meet super baker Will Torrent, who tells us about the chocolate that keeps on giving. Plus, we've got a gastro gift to thrill your favourite cook this year. But first, delicious editor Karen Barnes on what it takes to put together the biggest issue of the year. Obviously, we have a lot of food going on, wonderful, wonderful recipes, but we also like to focus on giving back and how people can do something that maybe is focused outside their family unit uh, so we've we've rounded up quite a few of those things like um, crisis at Christmas where you can volunteer to help cook for others um, there's a something called the foundation for social change where you can fill a shoebox with key items like a little toy and some soap and for families who maybe don't get presents at Christmas and lots of other things like that and we've also done a big feature with the Luminary Bakery um, which is all about encouraging women to be empowered through learning to bake and then maybe set up their own businesses so sounds like a story for me yes it's a good one and there's a so there's a lot of heart and soul in the Christmas issue as there always is with delicious but we've also done a little bit of a glimpse behind the scenes of what it takes to put a magazine together for Christmas. And uh, when do you think we start planning it, Jilly? You probably know, but I do, do you know? <laughs> July. <laughs> July, yes. So it all starts with uh, a brainstorming meeting at my house, which is a bit of an annual uh, tradition. And it's, it's always the hottest day of the year. So our main challenge is <laughs> trying to get your head in the right place. Yeah. And we do various things to make that happen. One of which is uh, playing some carols, maybe lighting candles. And uh, one little glimpse behind the scenes was our old editor Martine wrapping secret Santa presents on the tube in 32 degrees <laughs> because she thought it would be fun for everyone to have a little gift. Of course, she got some very peculiar looks. <laughs> and uh, there's another little moment. We've got a big feature on uh, food inspired by pantomimes, which is a wonderful feature. It's my favourite thing in the issue. That came out of our brainstorming. 
something funny that happened that for the photo shoot we wanted to serve some soup in a hollowed out pumpkin uh, inspired by Cinderella of course and so the food team were going to a market and going through this massive pile of pumpkins trying to find the perfect specimen for the shoot and they got accused of stealing because the store holder couldn't understand why they were being so fussy about the pumpkins sort of shuffling around and looking suspicious so those are just a couple of glimpses of what happens in terms of making our Christmas issue what it is huge very special you know we taste hundreds and hundreds of food items to pick and look at hundreds of gifts to pick the very best things that people can buy at home for their families and loved ones. Now when you're doing the seating plan for Christmas this year will you be adding a place for a passing stranger? Bethany Cady, the Lebanese author of The Jewel Table, told me that this is the essence of Islamic hospitality. So hospitality in itself is actually comes from the inhospitable desert, which actually is a hospitable because what happened is um, people, when, when, when nomads were traveling within the desert, there was a rule, a code that was developed so that people would um, kind of protect each other so that so if you were lost in the desert and you came upon somebody who has a tent who has water that they have to then in turn take you in and be hospitable towards you and if you were to uh if you weren't to accept and then that's actually being hostile towards them so this has over over time really developed into the process of when somebody comes into your home you need to automatically offer them water offer them food invite them to the table break bread with them and that's how you know how it's evolved in the Middle East, it's just very easy, even if it's an everyday meal, to have a lot of different dishes on the table, which come from the pantry. So it's pickles, olives, um, you know, just a, 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 plat- a platter of uh, fresh vegetables. They just come together with the main meal, and then you have or you, you automatically just have a quite a jeweled table that way. Yeah, and the jewels are the colours exactly. and the textures and the yeah. things that sparkle and invite. It's a, it's a wonderful idea, and the and the tradition has included always having an extra couple of spaces at the table always always so food is always abundant and this it's just really it, it's so amazing how they can constantly rustle up food out of nowhere so you'll be sat for it you know they'll have they'll be four at the table they'll see you walk by and it's really i'm not making this up they'll invite you over to the table they'll insist they'll bring extra two plates and the food is always enough it's amazing Scandi food writer Bronte Orell knows all about inviting strangers to her table. Her Scandi Kitchen Cafe in central London has been serving her countrymen and women authentic Danish dishes to remind them of home for over a decade. But when I asked her how she's planning her Scandi Christmas, she told me that it starts much earlier than we might think. One of the things that uh, we Scandinavians really treasure about December is not even at Christmas time, it's actually on the 13th of December and it's the Feast of St. Lucia. So um, basically, it's uh, it's the, we sing in the light in the morning. It was traditionally the darkest night of the year, the the night where the devil roamed and the animals could be possessed by evil spirits. So basically, we have processions of uh, young people singing carols in the morning, all dressed in white robes with red sashes, 
and they walk the streets and and, and uh, shopping centers and offices and kindergartens and whatever with with real candles to sing in the light and they do this at seven eight nine in the morning on that Lucia morning we all eat saffron buns and we all eat uh, Danish Abiskiwa they were actually featured on the Bake Off this year so we all eat those and really get into the spirit of things and we start celebrating Christmas quite late we don't start in October or November it's literally the first of Advent is the first first day you're allowed to really celebrate so the 13th of December is when people go Oh, it's here. It's nearly here. Now you've done a big rant in the January uh, issue of the magazine on Huga. For anyone who doesn't understand, and most of us don't, what is Huga? Huga means to appreciate the moment that you're in while you're in it. So you actually consciously go, oh, I'm really having a lovely time right now with my friends, with my family, whatever you're doing, even on your own, watching TV with a glass of wine and some sweets. No matter what you're doing, you're going, oh. This is hoogly. I'm having a nice hoogly time right now. So you're appreciating that moment and being in that space entirely, not on your iPhone, not somewhere else. Yeah. So Christmas is actually a perfect time to be hoogly, isn't it? Because people get so stressed about it. And if you actually, we might call it about being present, really. Yeah, it is being present, absolutely. And it's about going, right, now I'm going to appreciate this moment and I'm going to not stress because I'm going to spend time with the people I love and I'm going to take time out to do that. And I'm going to put my phone in another room and just just forget about the stress for a while. And what about all the stress around, you know, cooking and preparing and decorating the table? Is the, Can you do that hoogily? I think you can. I mean, it's about not making too much of a big deal of it. Scandinavians are quite simple people. I think you have to remember that, that no matter what, we are not particularly fancy in our maybe table dressing or anything like that it, uh, white te- white and red tend to be our Christmas colours maybe with a few twigs it's very simple yeah. the, the whole essence of Scandinavian design is simple the whole essence of Scandinavian coziness is simple you don't find any clutter or, or anything in our whether it's the way we decorate the table or whether it's the way we decorate the tree there's no tinsel it's, it's a very simple thing and you can read some of Bronte's scanty Christmas recipes in the December issue of the Delicious magazine which is with subscribers now and goes on sale on Friday, November the 30th. Staying with the Scandi theme, for many of us, Christmas just isn't Christmas without a Christmas market. And one of the most popular is Copenhagen's Tivoli Market, where the lake becomes an ice rink like something out of a Hans Christian Andersen fairy tale. But as restaurateur and author of Copenhagen Food, Trina Hahnemann tells me her hometown it's not just for Christmas. I, I really wanted to talk about what the city feels like. To me, it's a very personal book. It's also about growing up there. And you can say the whole transformation Copenhagen has gone through to become this city that everybody's visiting from when I was a child. And I would never hear anybody speak a foreign language. And also to explore more deep into the neighborhoods and the maybe, you know, there's both the very obvious places to go, but also just the places that I love to hang out or walk through or, or what I do in my own city. But it, it takes a visitor through uh, the best bakeries and the best restaurants. And you do mention that Noma yeah. is a really important part of Copenhagen's recent food history. Just explain the legacy of, of of a restaurant like Noma and Rene Redzepi to Copenhagen. Yeah, but when you when you have a restaurant that goes through what he what they've been through, like becoming the best in the world and all of that, 
and you uh, mainly have people coming from other countries to eat there, that's 100 people every day. Mm. They're not just going to eat at Noma. Yeah. The two other days they stay, they're going to go somewhere else as well. And that has created a, and yeah, it has made the restaurant business flourish, especially for, you could say, the medium range uh, restaurants. We never really had that. Mm. And also because we are a home cook culture. We love to invite people over for dinner. We all have uh, houses with dining tables in them. And so to, to lure the Danes out, you know, of their, you can say, hygge, uh, everyday moments, it, it takes a lot. So I don't think we could have done this without tourists and without the, you can say, the eyes from the world at us. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Now, how about really extending the table this year and gathering a community of like-minded folk to eat, drink, and merrily make your Christmas decorations from whatever is around you? Green Squirrel is a Cardiff-based, national lottery-funded supper club organisation which aims to make living sustainably easier, more sociable, and more inspiring. And I joined its Feast for 50 in an industrial wasteland tent skate park and cafe called Spit and Sawdust to make Yule logs, pickled plums, and find new ways to use vegetable waste for the poshest dinner. I asked Becca Clark, founder and director of Green City Events, what she'd hoped to achieve. Actually, looking in at everyone sitting on this table together is exactly what it's about. Everyone that came here today might have come in groups, maybe maximum four people, but some people came on their own, some people came just two people. Everyone is talking, everyone is chatting, everyone's sharing stories, and it's just a connection over food and an opportunity for the community to, to talk and share what they're doing and share their hopes and their dreams and their passions and, and be inspired to maybe make a change in their life or go out to meet more people or learn something new. It's, it's lots of different things. Leah Mutsalu of Leah's Kitchen was in charge of the food and explained how much of the menu was designed from leftovers. Using the whole orange or the whole lemon, today we use organic oranges and, and lemons, to, so we actually flavoured our salads and our stews with the rind of that fruit. 
we use the actual stalks of the mint that we fried for the salad to dehydrate it and then mint salt. So that we also add mint salt. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I've ever had mint salt before. Everything you can make that with any stalk you don't use. For the stew, we use the whole bunch. Any stew that's so homely and so beautiful doesn't need to just be glazed. But for example, when you want to deep fry some mint leaves for garnish or you want to do something fancy like that and you let it stalk, you dehydrate them really slowly and you grind them with coarse sea salt. And it's just so beautiful to flavour your salads and your fish. If you eat fish, it's a great marinade for fish. Fantastic. And even taking a, a dried orange and putting it as part of the table decoration. We've just pushed the message of using what is in, in season and what you've got glut of to find ideas, make presents for Christmas instead of buying things. Why not make pickles and preserved fruits that you find in a good price or on the offer aisle? Yeah. Just to spend your money on eating well, supporting good agricultural practices and businesses that don't harm the environment and make things and find different ways to celebrate and be festive. Now, Will Torrent is so much more than a Blumenthal trained TV chocolatier. He's also an ambassador to Tear Fund, the Christian charity which supports farmers and producers across the world. He's just back from a trip to the Ivory Coast where he met the cocoa farmers for whom learning to make their own compost has been life changing. People are making compost but they're selling it at such a high price that Richard, who is a cocoa farmer, cannot afford. So he's been shown how to make compost using a few ingredients that he's got on his farm. Dry grass, wet grass, air and chicken poo. All of those four things he has in plenty on his farm. He's shown how to make it and then he's gone around this whole plantation and put a little ring of this compost around each tree like lovingly tended these trees and he's put this compost around of course we know having lived with Alan Titchmarsh for 25 years or so how important compost is to the land so therefore his his soil is being um, fed the nutrients and it's being richly fed which means that his his trees are there are giving more pods therefore in those pods are more beans more beans means more to sell which therefore means more money coming into his family which therefore his relationship with his, his family is restored because he's giving them what they need, whether it's food or school uniforms or textbooks. Yeah. And his and the whole life is transformed. Yeah. Yet he's still producing cocoa for us to enjoy. I do, it's absolutely fantastic. And there are lots and lots of these programmes all over the world, where which is basically sort of transfer of information isn't it it's 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 not the imperialist missionary thing that of the old days no totally the opposite it's not it's not tier fund or or the west going in saying this is how you should grow cocoa this is um tier fund supporting partners that are already working uh within the local community within the local church mobilizing that that community to say yes to self like to to sustainable farming and kind of self-efficiency rather than sometimes what we see is kind of monetary handouts and it's completely the opposite and that's what really excited me when i was there it's it's empowerment it's transformation and it but it's very core it's love tier fund work predominantly within the local church Uh, local churches changing nations uh, and that comes with such power because the church is the local community mm. um, and when when the leaders of those churches are, are, are on side they are then able to feed the community with this knowledge with this skills with this training and 
that makes such a difference because it's not this is how you should do it. This is we want to support you. We want to show we want to show love and grace through simple things as compost. Now, what do you give the cook in your life for Christmas? In a totally transparent pitch of my perfect gift this year, I popped down to Leith School of Food and Wine to join an evening class in Persian cooking, where Jenny Dowling and Shauna Scales were welcoming a group of cooks of all standards. Shauna told me that it wasn't just about being the next pre-leaf. There's a lady down there who says she's a really nervous cook and it's my job to make sure she has a nice time and that she will continue to cook. And then you have people who can cook really well and it's, they just want a bit of tweaks of their skills. They want to know something that's going to make their stuff look prettier or taste better or you know, they know they have a skill but they just want to make it slightly better. I asked my classmates, mother and daughter Olivia and Evelyn, best friends Claire and Shauna, and Chris, who was there with his wife Olivia, what they were looking for. Chris, would you call yourself a good cook? I would brand myself a keen cook. I wouldn't ever say that I'm necessarily good. I, 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 love, I love to cook, friends and family, nothing, nothing serious. Um, and what I, do you want out of this evening? I think just to try some, some, some new food. I think Persian cooking is not something that you would, or I would look to do at home regularly. So it's an opportunity just with friends, you know, just to try something, try something new. Did you buy it for yourself or was it no, a present? it's an anniversary present for, oh. for Olivia. We've always loved Persian food and we've got lots of Persian family friends and we've always wanted to be able to copy how they cook and do it ourselves. So here we are. Evelyn, can you cook? Yes. They're very cagey, the friends, though. So I've always had to <laughs> just sense what's in in the recipes when I try and make them. Ladies, how are you doing? You're already scorching the aubergine, getting straight yeah, in there, Shauna. I like to be in a cookery what? class with burning something. <laughs> Especially when you're instructed to burn it. Yes. <laughs> I don't even told to ruin the aubergines. That's brilliant. This is a bit of a bustle's holiday for you. Yeah, it is. You've it been is. here all day. You've been I've been studying. cooking all afternoon, and I'm here all evening as well. That's how much I love it, I suppose. So go on, tell us your story. It is. So I'm doing the year-long diploma course, so the first term is just foundation. I say just foundation. It's really hard. I thought it would be a lot more basic than it is, but it's quite complicated. And this is post-kids, This is post-kids. This is last child is in sixth form and doesn't really require me anymore. Other two have gone. And actually, it's time for, to do something for myself. It's time for really? you. Yeah, to do something for Yeah, I don't know at the moment. I want to teach as well. I'd like to be a bit freelancey because the last thing I want to do is find myself tied to a full-time restaurant career, which would be exhausting. But um, but I want to do. I want to mix it up a bit. I want to have some fun. I want to not have to worry about everybody else all the time. Do something that I enjoy. Last week, we met the vegetarian sheep farmers who told us what to look for in our high-welfare lamb. And in the spirit of hashtag less but better, as you plan your holiday feasts, here's Martha Roberts from The Decent Company on why farmed pigs must be happy pigs. The majority of the pork that's eaten in the UK is, is tends to be not kept free-range, and that has implications for animals and for the way in which we think about our food, in my view. So if you eat pork, if you eat bacon, if you eat sausages... Actually, most of the, the, the meat that you're probably consuming, unless you're going direct to a farm or actively buying free-range meat, is probably farmed indoors or partially indoors. Um, the way that I farm my pigs, I'm a small-scale pig farmer. I'm up on the side of a hill, uh, and they roam amongst oak and beech woodlands and on pasture land, and that gives them a life that means that they are rooting around, getting lots of natural substances into them, and it means you also don't have to feed them as much concentrate as you would if you were keeping them indoors. A lot of people understand that pigs are really sentient. I mean, all animals are sentient, but pigs are very intelligent. Yes. 
No. For some reason, people like pigs more than they like chickens, for, for example, yes. or care more about their welfare. What, what does being inside for a pig mean? So pigs are herd animals, for starters, so they operate in small groups and they move around and their primary uh, activity around um, sleeping and eating is to root around. So they're, within days of big, being born, piglets will put their snouts into the soil and start digging and they're looking for roots and nuts and berries and eating bits of soil which they need from a nutrients perspective and they will spend quite happily hours and hours of their day doing that I mean they are mini rotivators they will tear up land really effectively like little snowplows almost and that's really important behaviourally for them they get huge solace and um, uh, satisfaction from doing that if they're indoors they simply cannot do that so that's really important behaviourally it's also really important for the topsoil Yes, so if you're a gardener or if you're in any way interested in how soil gets replenished, then they're essentially walking fertiliser machines. They will eat really rough stuff and brambles and all kinds of um, stuff that most other animals won't eat. So, for example, in the New Forest, you will hear about pigs going in and doing what's called cannage, which in the autumn time is when they go in and they eat acorns off the ground, which other animals are uh, find poisonous. So it is a clearance activity, and of course they then fertilise as they go. They disturb the soil, which means that native plants can then start to grow again. They are a really effective way of ground clearance and fertilising as they go. So in terms of wanting to do the right thing, we understand the issues now. Can they go to a butcher and expect that kind of meat to be available to them? Yeah, so there are a number of options really, and I think the options are getting greater, but you do have to look around a bit and be a bit um, demanding of your local butchers. If you, if you go into local butchers, some of them will have free-range pork. Um, if you ask them whether they've got free-range pork, sometimes they will say no, and if you ask them that whether they can get it, then they may well start to get it the more people ask for it. There are lots of small producers who, who um, have free-range pork as well, like me. In my little business is a direct meat sales business called The Decent Company. Um, and that is just about supplying a very direct relationship between me as the farmer and people who want to buy boxes of fresh meat from me. I think one of the things that people should be aware of is that labelling is really important. If something says free range on it, then it should have been kept outside all year round. Be aware of labels that think, say things like outdoor reared or outdoor bred, because usually what that means is that they've been outside for some of their life, but not they don't have free access to the outdoors all of their life. Um, so free range is the, is the standard you should be looking for if you're interested in animal welfare and buying the, the, the best kind of uh, pig life, if you like, in the, in the meat you then want to consume. And finally, Delicious Magazine's food editor Jen Bedlow and her team have been having a kitchen clear out and have paired their gadgets down to the essential Christmas list. We do talk about digital probe thermometers quite a lot, but... Mm. They just make life much easier. They're not that expensive to buy. And if you've got one handy, when you're cooking a really expensive roast, which mm. you will be at Christmas, mm. please, you know, just invest in one because you're, you're working really hard, you're really busy, and you've just got this little gadget that will save the day. And as soon as it reads that temperature, you get that bird or roast rib of beef or whatever it is you're cooking, get it out of the oven and, and, and save it. The other thing that we realised we couldn't live without are kitchen cooking tongs. Mm. So the, these not only do we use them for cooking, we also use them for you know, serving canapes on the tray. And we also use them, if, if you get the really long handle ones, the best thing is, is that you don't hurt your hand when you're doing said task, which when you're busy in the kitchen at Christmas, it can happen that you start to burn yourself and things. So anyway, trusty pair of tongs, we definitely recommend. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, it might sound a bit... Um, 
unsavoury a turkey baster. Multifunctional. <laughs> Multifunctional. <laughs> um, it actually does make life quite a lot easier because rather than having to... You're, you're usually going to be cooking a, a big piece of meat in the oven. It's heavy. And you're trying to tip the roasting tin to one side and spoon off gravy to... Um, and cooking sauce juices to put over the yeah and it and you just you you might drop it <laughs> and so we think you know these little gadgets yeah. again doesn't take up much room in the cupboard yeah um, or the drawer either. not very expensive you can pick them up um, and it it just makes life easier and for details and stockists on the food team's five tried and tested gadgets see the December issue of Delicious Magazine or visit deliciousmagazine.co.uk and next week, we're revisiting our 15th birthday party at BAFTA 195 Piccadilly, where readers enjoyed a special movie and a feast inspired by it. I'll see you then. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.